Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today is another installment of our draw application series. We're doing it two weeks in a row. Last week was Montana. This week is Colorado. Um, this week we actually have Trail Kreitzer on from Go Hunt. Dave Barnett had some stuff going on and wasn't going to be able to get on the podcast before the deadline for Colorado. So I hit up Trail and he was gracious enough to come on on some short notice so we could get this podcast done and get the information out for you guys before the deadline of April 4th. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Hope you learn some stuff. Hope it, hopefully it'll help you draw a tag in Colorado. Colorado is a great opportunity state for those of you that are just getting into hunting um, or maybe have you know just a few points in Colorado. It's definitely a state to look at. So listen into this podcast with Trail. There's a lot of good tips in here, a lot of good information about Colorado. But before I get you into that, again, check out the podcast on social media. It's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. Make sure you guys give the podcast a like, a follow, a share. All those things help out. But without any further ado, I'll get you guys into this podcast with Trail. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today is another episode of our draw application series. But today we got Trail Kreitzer on. Dave had some stuff going on and wasn't going to be able to get on before the Colorado deadline. So I hit up Trail, and he was willing to jump on on some short notice. So, Trail, thanks for coming on and getting this done for us. Yeah, you bet, man. I think Dave maybe – I don't know what Dave's got going on. Maybe he's got some family in town or something. Yeah. <laughs> cool, yeah, man. No, well, no today problem. we are getting into to Colorado. So, I mean, I know Colorado is a state that you've hunted quite a bit. I haven't been able to make it out there, but let's kind of get into the – draw application process for Colorado and all the little ins and outs of that state. Sure. Yeah, you bet. I think, uh, you know, Colorado is a great state to hunt. It's got the largest elk herd in the West. It's probably got one of the, you know, the best deer herds. Um, you got a lot of different species. You got a decent number of antelope, probably a lot more than people think. And then you've got uh, moose, sheep, mountain goat. So there's plenty of opportunity to apply for species in Colorado. Nice. Nice. How is, um, so most of the people listening to this are going to be non-residents of Colorado, I would imagine. So like, what is like the tag allocation like? How does the process work in Colorado? Um, like what are, are there differences between the species on how it works kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess first and foremost, I should say that, uh, your, your application deadline is going to be April 4th yep. at 8, 8 PM. Um, that's one thing that's kind of unique. I mean, I, I applied for New Mexico yesterday, which they, they extended that deadline by a day. Yeah. Um, just because they had some technical difficulties, but that application deadline was 5 PM, you know, Colorado's is 8 PM, Utah's is 11 PM. So you want to be aware of that different States have different times that the yep. deadline actually occurs. So, uh, I would encourage you don't be a procrastinator like me and wait till the very <laughs> last day of the extension day yeah. to apply. Um, you know, get your get your applications in early if you can. So I would say that first and foremost, plan on applying by April fourth. Um, yeah, so I, I guess just just to dive in, um, Colorado is a is a true preference point state for uh, elk antelope and mule deer and when i say true preference point state meaning that the permits go to the people with the most uh, points that apply for any given hunt so there's not really any random component to that draw process so if you you know you look at draws you look at your insider account you can 
go down through the list of hunts and you can see where permits were allocated at a point level. And that's essentially the points it's going to likely take to draw that permit. There really is no random component to that. Um, you know, they, they did make some, some changes this year as to the percentages that the, the permits are split out. So, uh, you know, typically, um, you know, Colorado elk antelope deer tags, uh, if, if it takes a non-resident or excuse me, if it takes a resident six points or more to draw that permit, uh, for this three year rolling average, uh, they're going to allocate uh, 20% of the licenses to non-residents and 80% to residents. Uh, if a hunt takes six points or uh, less, uh, they're going to allocate 35% to non-residents and then 65% to residents. So those hunts that are easier to draw for, you know, residents on that rolling three-year average, they're going to allocate a greater percentage to non-residents, which is kind of a nice perk. And I will say, I mean, even for the hunts that, you know, are, are in higher demand, mm -hmm. um, Colorado's pretty generous to non-residents. I mean, 20%. So yeah, that's something, something to be aware of. And, and they are fairly kind you know, to non-residents compared to some other states, which are, you know, often a 90-10 split. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I've been looking at Colorado, doing a little bit of research. So when you look at all the species and stuff, there's a ton of, like, different seasons available and all that. So mm -hmm. kind of break down those seasons. Like elk, was it like there's archery and then there's archery plains? Or is that deer? Maybe I'm mistaken. But one of those has it, if not both. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're plains and they've got, you know, deer in the eastern half of the state. They've even got some elk out there. Uh, there's antelope out there. In fact, the better, you know, herds or the better trophy potential even is kind of in that eastern half of the state for antelope. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the issue that you get into when you dive into the eastern half of the state is that it's mostly private land uh, yeah. on those, pl those plains hunts. Um, so you want to be aware that most of the units that have a decent amount of public land are kind of, you know, west of the front range, um, you know, kind of that Denver, you know, west. So you do want to be aware of that when you're looking. And yeah, Colorado offers a ton of different hunts and yeah. seasons. Um, so they've got archery seasons, which are, you know, I think the 2nd through the 30th of September. Um, you've got... Uh, Rifle seasons, you got muzzleloaders or muzzleloader seasons is a, a September time frame. It actually coincides with the archery hunt. So you've got muzzleloaders, you know, people out hunting with muzzleloader during the archery hunt as well. Mm -hmm. um, you've got early season high, high country, you know, hunts for deer in some of the units. And that's an early September, kind of a September early high country rifle hunt. And then you've got, um, you know, rifle hunts. So for elk, you've got you know first rifle second rifle third rifle fourth rifle you know deer very similar you've got early rifle in the high country in some units and then you've got a second rifle third rifle and fourth rifle and they just get progressively later mm -hmm. you know your second your second third and fourth rifle seasons are going to be you know the tail end of october all the way to like thanksgiving time frame so you know depending on time off to hunt depending for you know the type of hunt that you're looking for there's probably a season that's going to suit you in colorado definitely definitely going back to the the points thing is point mm. creep a big issue that you see in colorado 
Um, it, it can be. It's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Colorado offers so many hunts that there are, you know, some that stay relatively consistent at the point level that it takes to draw those. And then there are units okay. that are in higher demand. Typically, if a unit has less than 200 permits or a hunt has less than 200 permits total, um, you're going to see some point creep. And yeah, I mean, you, you definitely want to be aware of it when you're looking at the hunts and you want to visit like, you know, detailed draws page, like in your insider account, and you want to look at the trends. So we display, you know, five years of data so that you can look at draw odds over five years to see if those points are creeping that it takes to, to draw that hunt. So you want to be aware of it. It can be an issue. And like I said, it's, it's kind of hunt specific. It depends on the hunt, depends on demand, depends on the number of tags. But, um, you know, those highly sought after permits, you know, you take like a 61 elk tag or, you know, a 201 elk tag or a, you know, unit 44 late season deer tag. Those are hunts that are going to creep. It's just going to take one more point or more potentially every year to draw that hunt. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then what about, and this is something that you guys have talked about recently on your guys' podcast as far as like season dates and hunting deer during the rut and how that's affecting like the quality of deer. What kind of like trophy potential are you seeing out in Colorado? It's like kind of across the board for all your species. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hunt specific, I would say. I mean, the hunts that require a good number of points to draw. I mean, they are managing those hunts for a higher quality hunt, you know, less hunting pressure, higher quality of animals that are on that landscape, you know, better age class. Um, you know, historically Colorado has offered so many hunts and a lot of hunts are relatively easy to draw. I would say in that, you know, zero to maybe four or five point range. Um, in some areas of the state, you know, where chronic wasting disease is an issue, they up the number of permits. They also move those season dates back. And that was kind of done under the uh, presumption that, you know, people would kill older age class bucks, which, you know, those are the primary carriers of CWD. So they did want to kind of knock that down or, you know, reduce that risk in a population. And so I think in those types of hunts, those low draw units where you've seen an increase in the number of permits and the season dates move back, I do think that the number of like mature bucks is reduced in those populations. I think the the age structure within those units has kind of decreased. You've got mostly younger age class bucks. Um, you know, in, in saying that, I mean, it's Colorado, the, the habitat's phenomenal. Um, you've got a good number of deer. You can always have a, a deer, a few deer that are going to hit that, you know, four, five, six age class range, which is what it takes potentially to, you know, grow a trophy set of antlers. So it's always feasible. Mm -hmm. It's always possible. But I would say by and large, um, you know, trophy quality probably isn't, especially in those low draw units, those low point units, probably isn't what it was even, you know, five, six years ago, to be honest. Gotcha. Gotcha. So getting into like the actual draw process of it. So in Colorado, you have like first and second choice, correct? And mm -hmm. Yep. And third and third choice. Yeah. Okay. So explain yeah. kind of how that works. Like, cause there's a way that you can still earn a point and draw a tag if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, you're correct. First. Yeah. So Colorado, yeah, they're, they're going to consider every applicant's first choice before they move to any applicant's second choice. So 
uh, in essence, to draw a permit as a second choice, everybody's first choice is going to have to been evaluated so that it, essentially it means that there has to be a surplus of permits for the for that hunt. Uh, after everybody's first choice has been considered to then draw one as a second choice, um, which does happen though. I mean, there's still hunts that you can draw as a second choice. And mm -hmm. in that situation, you only are going to burn your points if you draw your first choice. So if you draw a second choice or a third choice hunt, uh, you're going to retain your points. You're going to get a bonus point that year because you didn't draw your first choice and then you could potentially, you know, draw a second choice hunt, go on a hunt while still, you know, maintaining your points and even building a point. So, um, you know, in your, in your insider account, I mean, I just shameless plug again for insider, you can review the hunt odds as a second choice. You just change your hunt choice from first to second. It's going to give you the odds of drawing all the hunts as a second choice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if that's kind of your strategy, um, you know, you can use the preference point code as your first choice. You can include the code for the hunt that you want to try to draw as a second choice. And then, like I said, that will ensure that you get a preference point for your first choice and then potentially draw a permit as your second choice. Gotcha. Most of those hunts that are getting drawn on a second choice, do you think they're kind of worth your time or are you better spent looking at hunts in other states or what's your opinion on those second choice hunts? I mean, it, it really depends on the, you know, the hunt and the season, to be honest. I mean, yeah. if, you know, for elk, for example, I mean, there's some hunts that you can draw as a second choice that are, you know, relatively decent. Um, here, as you get into the later season hunts, so if you're looking at second, third, fourth rifle seasons, you know, any hunt that could potentially be drawn as a second choice, uh, those can be pretty tough because those are primarily units that you're limited on access or public land to hunt. Mm -hmm. So those can be, those can be challenging, you know, maybe potentially there's some like muzzleloader or early archery seasons where maybe your, your herd or your populations is up in elevation, which most of your public land forest service land is going to be up in elevation. So there might be some opportunities there. So I, it's really kind of, you know, hit or miss. It just really depends on what you're looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then what about as we get into more of those, I don't know if they're a true once in a lifetime species, but like your sheep and your bison, moose type thing. What's that like in Colorado? Yes, you've got, uh, you know, bighorn sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. You've got desert bighorn sheep. You've got Rocky Mountain goat uh, and you've got moose. So Shiris moose, you got those four species. Um, you know, first I'll touch on desert bighorn sheep. So desert bighorn sheep, there's actually no point system at all. It's just a random, complete, completely random draw. There is one permit allocated uh, in unit S62 for non-residents. Um, so you can't apply for that. The one caveat of that is that you can't apply for both desert bighorn and Rocky Mountain bighorn in the same year. You have to pick or choose one, right? Okay. Um, so it is a random draw for desert bighorn sheep. Um, you know, Rocky Mountain sheep, um, you can apply for that. There is a bonus point system. So maybe let me go back real quick. So I'll just touch on the three that have a, a, a not a bonus point. They have a, a preference point system okay. and a weighted preference point system. So you've got Rocky Mountain sheep, Rocky Mountain goat, and you've got moose. And those are on a, uh, it's kind of a hybrid system. So in essence, a person has to build three preference points 
for those species to then actually even be considered in the draw. So essentially you've got three years of applying for a preference point, and those are gonna be a hundred bucks a point for a non-resident. So essentially if you applied for Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, goat and moose for three years, for those three species, you're gonna be into that 900 bucks just in points yeah. to then actually be considered in the draw. And then after that third year, you can actually apply and be considered in the draw. And it is a random draw uh, with a weighted preference point system. So the more points you accumulate after that, statistically, the better odds get for you over time. Uh, but in looking at them, it's marginal. So you yeah. might spend... Yeah, you might spend 20 years of building weighted preference points and your odds may only get better by 1% or less oh. depending depending on the hunt. So you kind of have to decide if it's worth it for you. Um, you don't actually have to continue building weighted preference points uh, after you've built your three okay. preference points. You can kind of just choose to apply and not pay for that weighted preference point and you are considered in the draw you do have a chance to draw but like i said um you know your chances are super slim but it, it's kind of like a, a cost value judgment is what i would say for those three species yeah you really got you really got to decide do i want to invest money over the next you know 20 30 40 50 years uh whatever days you've got left in your life yeah uh, uh for a very marginal gain in, odds so it's really yeah. kind of a, a cost value I, I can tell you that for me personally i've kind of looked at it i i, I can't personally justify that that hundred dollar cost per species to increase my odds over time so marginally i'd rather take that hundred or three hundred bucks and put it into a hot fund for something else but everybody's a little bit different and i will say I mean, Colorado issues a good number of bighorn sheep tags. They have archery only bighorn tags, which is kind of unique. It's one of the only states that does that. And really when you look at like moose, I mean, you are in the prime time of the best days for moose hunting in Colorado. They kill some giant bulls. Almost every unit's got the opportunity to provide like a 40 inch wide bull. And in a lot of units they're killing 50 inch bulls. So wow. You know, if you ever wanted to hunt moose, Shiras moose in particular, Colorado's a state you might want to look at because it is like the good old days. And it probably won't stay that way because we've got wolves and reintroduction of wolves. Yeah. And I think I think one of the first hits you're going to see uh, taken to that state is in your moose population. I mean, okay. wolves are wolves are phenomenal predators when it comes to moose and calves. Yeah. And I think that's probably the one of the very first hits you're going to see. Interesting. Interesting. And then what yep. about your, what about your goats or was there something else you were going to touch on on that? Nope. Goats is, uh, goats is the same. I mean, okay. you know, like, like I said, goats, um, Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep and moose, those three species all have the exact same, gotcha. uh, application process. It's that preference point, three preference points to then be considered in the draw and then a weighted preference point, random draw system after that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, so what about like, so, I mean, obviously Colorado has a lot of over the counter opportunity. They're kind of known for their mm -hmm. over the counter elk. Um, I know there's talks about changes coming to that, but as of right now, what kind of over the counter opportunities are you looking at in Colorado? 
Yeah, so your over-the-counter opportunities is really for elk, uh, and they've got archery or over-the-counter permits. Those are unlimited. You also have second and third rifle uh, hunts, and those are also unlimited. Uh, the units are, you'd have to, you know, check a map, check your insider account to see what units, or even check the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife regulations to see what units are open to those hunts. Uh, but yeah, you can buy those online in the summer when those go on sale, or you can even show up for your hunt and buy them at a, you know, a Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse or a Colorado Parks and Wildlife uh, office. So, I mean, those are, those are the over the counter. And right now it still is the best opportunity to guarantee yourself an elk tag and go hunting. So, um, right. Like I said, for, for right now, I mean, the herds are phenomenal. I mean, it's the largest elk herd in the world populations are up they're even you know up year over year from last year so you know now's a great time to you know buy an over-the-counter permit if nothing else pans out for you and go hunting um there are no over-the-counter permits for you know deer species so you know you don't want to bark you know head down that route um there are some over-the-counter archery antelope opportunities uh in saying that those units can be you know, somewhat tough to navigate either public land access or, you know, the herds maybe just aren't quite as robust as, as they might be. So there might be a better opportunity, you know, in, in some other state, whether that's a draw tag or an over-the-counter tag. Gotcha. I know there was talks um, maybe a couple of months ago about getting rid of all or getting rid of like the over-the-counter elk tags. Do you mm -hmm. think that's going to go through? And if it does, how do you think that's going to affect your um, in the future? Or what's, mm -hmm. what are you seeing on that? Yeah, so they, they've kind of been, you know, more transferring more of those units that were over-the-counter options, mostly for archery, and then transferring those over to a draw now. And I, I think this is the second year in a row where there's been, you know, a group of units that have been, that would have been over-the-counter that are now draw units only uh, for archery. And I think you'll probably continue to see that. Um, I think the feedback is mostly coming from, you know, residents that the hunting pressure is too high in some of these units and that they want to try to manage the tag allocations a little bit better in the number of hunters in, in any given unit. Um, and I think you'll probably continue to see that progression. And I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me, to be honest, within the next five to 10 years, if you don't see... Uh, all those over-the-counter hunts made exclusively into draw units. Um, in, in saying that, I'm not, I'm not that discouraged to be honest, because reality is, is if you look down through the available hunts, whether you're talking archery or, you know, rifle seasons, uh, there's a bunch. I mean, a absolute pile of hunts that can be drawn with no points or one point up to five points. In fact, the bulk of the hunts in the state of Colorado for elk, you can draw those with like one to five points. So, you know, you might have to pick your unit and you might have to pick your hunt and, and mm -hmm. go on and apply, apply for it and draw it and go hunting. But I still think there's going to be a robust number of hunts that you can draw, you know, any year that you want to in Colorado. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Arizona's kind of taking that same route. I think over you know, within the next five years or so you'll see them get rid of over the counter deer, but a lot of those units will be you know, your zero to one draws. So mm -hmm. I think it'll 
it's end up going that way, but you'll still have that opportunity. It just won't be over the counter tag. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Um, another thing that's kind of talked about quite a bit in Colorado is landowner tags. So how does that work mm-hmm. in Colorado? Yeah. So a landowner, if they have, um, and I don't know the number off the top of my head, it's, uh, you know, enough contiguous acres of, of private land that they own and it supports wildlife. They can apply, apply for landowner tags and they draw those tags. And then once they get those tags, they can sell those, uh, to an individual, you know, to go out and, and hunt that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, some, I believe some of them might be private land only, and some of them are unit wide. Yep. Uh, I, I, I would have to go back and look at it, but, um, you know, it used to be that a landowner could then take that permit and essentially use a broker and a third party to allocate those permits. So you would see those much more readily available. Um, that's not really any longer the case. There are some websites out there that list landowner tags, like a landowner can just get in touch with a website. Um, you know, occasionally we'll have some listed. That's not very often. It's definitely not nearly as often as we used to back in the Mm -hmm. day, but in essence, what they're doing is just using it as like, uh, you know, a billboard, Hey, I have this permit available. And then, you know, you would get in touch directly with the landowner. Uh, you pay for the voucher, you then take the voucher to a license agent, uh, buy the license, and then, you know, you're, you're able to go out and go hunting. So, um, they're, they're available. They're a little bit tough to find, to be honest, you got to do some digging and got to do some research and you got to kind of be in touch with somebody that has some connections with those landowners. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what kind of going back into the normal draw, as -hmm. far as like the cost of tags and all that stuff Colorado compared to some of your other states as far as like your cost versus you know the quality of hunt type that you're getting out of it mm-hmm. yeah so when you when you apply and I didn't mention this but when you apply in Colorado you do have to buy what they call a qualifying license which is an annual small game license and for a non-resident I think it's about 94 bucks it's like 93.70 something I believe Um, And then you're also going to have to pay an application fee per species that you apply for, which is going to be 10 bucks for a non-resident. I think it's eight bucks for a resident. Um, I will say that for youth, so if you got kids, any of your listeners that got kids, Colorado is extremely friendly to youth hunters and the cost of a qualifying hunting license to then apply for the draws is only a buck 40. So super, super cheap. Um, And then as far as like the cost, I mean, an elk license out of the state, a uh, non-resident elk license in Colorado is about 760 bucks. Uh, antelope and deer, I think is about 456 bucks. Um, so I would say it's, it's on par with most states. Um, you know, it's right around that 700, 600, yeah. you know, dollar, dollar range. I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, astronomical by any means. I think it's feasible, especially if you're willing to save some money and, you know, put together yeah. a hunt. Uh, when you apply, I should say you don't have to front the cost of the licenses that you apply for. So that's nice. I mean, in essence, you can apply for many species for, you know, 100, 150 bucks. Okay, nice. nice. And what's your, what's the tag return policy like in Colorado? Yeah, so it's kind of, they've got kind of a new thing going on the last couple of years. So if you apply for a license and you draw that license, uh, you have a time frame now where you can uh, return, you can surrender that permit. Uh, 
And in, in the chance that you surrender it, um, you can get refunded the cost of your money um, or they won't charge it, you know, in oh. essence. And you can get your, prefer your preference points back, uh, but you will not get a preference point for that year's application. So okay. it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of leave you a year behind, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, you kind of want to be aware of that, but it is, it is an option for you. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you, I mean, it is, it is something that people do. It is nice that at least, so for example, I've got, I think I've got eight or nine elk points in Colorado myself this year. Mm -hmm. You know, I applied, like I said, in New Mexico for a hunt. Uh, you know, if I draw my first or second choice there in New Mexico, which is a prime time September rut elk hunt, if I draw that, uh, and I won't know if I drew that prior to the deadline in Colorado, yeah. um, you know, my strategy is cause in New Mexico, I have to keep that tag. I have to, I'm going to go hunting. Um, yep. I would probably return my Colorado elk tag and I would get my points back to a pre-draw level. So I'd be lacking out on the point that I would have gained this year, but it's better than losing out on my, you know, eight or nine elk points that I've built up. Definitely. Definitely. Um, what kind of, like, what kind of strategies if, for people that are applying, um, what kind of strategies are you looking at in Colorado as far as how you're, you know, selecting for your different choices, things like that? Is there some strategy to it? Um, I mean, where they consider your first choice, you know, everybody's first choice before moving to every applicant's second choice, it really is all about your first choice. Um, you know, I would say it, it's really going to depend on points you have i mean colorado is a state like i said it's really preference point driven it's yep. a true preference point state so the you know the people with the most points that apply for any given hunt are going to be guaranteed those tags so you really want to try to maximize the number of pre preference points you have for you know the best hunt that you can get with the number of preference points you have so you know you, you definitely want to look at point creep you want to consider the number of points you have and you want to try to get you know the best hunt that you can for the number of points that you have um i would say you know as far as strategy goes um you know if you if you don't have that many points so for example if you're applying for elk in colorado and you've got zero to five points uh, I would burn those points. I would turn them and burn them. I would draw <laughs> permit. I would draw permit. I would go hunting and I would get back into the system because when you start to look at the number of hunts that are available to people at that eight, you know, to 15 point range, mm -hmm. there really are not that many good options. And everybody okay. that has, yeah, everybody that's found themselves within that point range, they're all chasing just a few hunts. So the point creep for those hunts just keeps yeah. moving. Right. Definitely. And if you look at the very, if you look at the very best hunts, like a 201, a two, uh, you know, a 61, those are 20 plus point units. Cool. And, you know, if you do the math on those with the number of people that have points that are chasing those, you will never li live long enough under their current draw system to ever catch those. Gotcha. So, you know, really your bread and butter for, especially for elk, and I would say for mule deer as well, is turn and burn those points. You know, if you've got zero to five points, go on as many hunts as you can, get back in the system because there really are so many options. Definitely. Is there a wait period for any species in Colorado after you draw a tag? Mm, that's a good question. Um, for deer, elk, and antelope, 
Um, I believe moose, sheep, and goat. I should know that off the top of my head, um, but I don't. <laughs> no, I should. I That's just like one of those questions, and rather than bullshit, yeah, I would just tell you I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, no problem. problem. Do points expire in Colorado if you don't, like, if you aren't applying after so many years or don't buy points after so many years? Um, man, let me think. That's another one of those. You caught me on a day, you caught me on a day where uh, I've literally been writing so many different states application strategy articles that I'm getting confused on what because I know like in Utah you don't. I know in like for example Montana, you know you've got that new trend where you have to apply every other year for the general season combo or you lose your points. Yeah. Um, God, I'm looking right here to try to find out and I don't see it off the top of my head. So I apologize, no Caleb. That's one you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do a voiceover in this one. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll do some, I'll do some research on it. And you're, you're going to have to, do, you're going to have to do some research and you're going to have to, uh, do a voiceover right here. Got it. But, cool. Well, what else, is there anything else we need to touch on, on Colorado? Any other important little tips or info that people need to know before they go applying for Colorado you know, before the deadline in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, so I just Googled it actually. If you, it, it says if you don't uh, hold a license for that species and apply for 10 consecutive years for elk, deer, uh, pronghorn, your preference points will be lost. So, so 10, 10 years for those species. So there's your answer. Okay. Perfect. Um, yep. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was as, and I, my gut said, I thought it was 10, but I just didn't want to say it without absolutely knowing for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Going back to your question. Um, yeah. Apply in Colorado. I mean, absolutely apply in Colorado. It's relatively cheap. Like I said, especially for your kids, it's super cheap. Uh, if you're looking at getting your kids involved in hunting, I, I highly recommend Colorado. It's a great state for those guys to go out and, you know, harvest a, a mule deer buck. Uh, even on elk hunt for first elk hunt, it's an awesome, awesome elk hunt, especially for kids. And like I said, with that dollar forty hunting license to then apply and get into the system, it's well worth it. And they also give you a break on the cost of the youth tags. I think a, a youth elk tag is like one hundred and ten bucks. So you could take your kid yes. hunting for one hundred fifteen bucks, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a really good option. Um, and then, like I said, there's a ton of hunts that you can draw, and with the variety of hunts they have, you know, archery, muzzleloader, all the rifle seasons you can essentially find a hunt that works for you. Um, there still is really good over-the-counter opportunities. So if you don't draw any other elk tags anywhere else, or you know maybe you don't draw any tags anywhere, it's still a really good hunt. And I'll tell you, Caleb, every time I've ever, I've ever done a, a late season elk, uh, deer hunt, so I've, I've had a second or a third season rifle deer tag, Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the units I've been hunting, those have also been over-the-counter elk hunts. I could okay. have filled an I could have filled an elk tag on a legal bull had I bought a permit. So gotcha. Elk exist. They're out there. You know, even on those yeah. hunts that people, I think they look at them and they think, man, the hunting pressure is so high. There's no elk. There's no bulls available. In my experience, that's just not been the case. There's definitely been elk and there's been bulls available. So it's still a really, a really awesome opportunity to get out and go hunt elk. Um, and like I said, turn and burn your points. You know, apply in Colorado, get your strategy together. It's relatively cheap to apply and it's a phenomenal state. Definitely. One last thing I know, or on some of those like over the counter, at least the archery ones, some of it are like any elk, right? 
yeah, 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 for 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 archery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. You, Yep, you get to, um, you know, like the rifle, second and third rifle seasons, uh, it's typically any legal bull and they, yep. you know, they have to have, they have to have eye guards or, you know, be a five, a five point center. So there are some regulations when you get into those rifle seasons, but yeah, yep. you know, still, still a really good opportunity to get out and, and hunt. Um, you know, I think antelope, I think for a lot of years myself, I overlooked antelope hunting in the state of Colorado just because you know, a lot of the, you know, the herds exist in that eastern half of the state and, and public land is hard to come by. You know, the populations that are through the western half of the state, they can be a little bit hard to navigate based on, you know, private public as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's some there's some big antelope in, in Colorado. You know, Lorenzo killed a giant buck this last year in Colorado. Yeah. You know, there's probably a, ha- a handful of 80 inches that come out of the state every year. But I think it's like one of those states that I think a lot of people overlook for antelope. Yep. But for the cost of applying, um, you know, it's it's probably worth it to just apply and build up some points for antelope and use that as a filler hunt every few years to try to go out and hunt antelope. So I would say don't overlook antelope in Colorado as well. Nice, nice. Cool. Uh, and then one more time before we get you out of here, what was the deadline for Colorado? Yeah, deadline April 4th. So coming up April 4th, um, not not too many days and that's eight o'clock uh, mountain time so be aware that if you live on the east coast Perfect. and then you have to it's the same deadline whether you're buying points or actually applying for a tag correct yeah you gotta you gotta apply during that same application deadline uh you can apply online which the application process online you have to include like your hunter education number you have to set up an account with colorado parks and wildlife so you want to plan in advance if you've never applied in colorado you do have to have for safety, so you want to be aware of that. Um, you can also apply online. Um, there's a phone number. It's 1-800-244-5613. You can actually call Colorado Parks and Wildlife and talk to them, and they can help you apply for the hunts that you're looking at. So, you know, be, be aware of that. Um, yeah, that's coming right up, though. April 4th, man, I'm looking at my calendar, and I'm like, man, I better get my ducks in a row. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, Trail, if people have any questions, how can they get a hold of you or get a hold of somebody at Go Hunt to answer some questions for them? Yeah, you can hit us at Reach Us. That's just R E A C H U S, Reach Us at GoHunt.com. Um, you can slide in my DMs if you want, which is just <laughs> uh, Trail K11 on Instagram. Uh, but those are a couple of ways, or you can just, you know, visit our website, which is just go, gohunt.com and drop down to the bottom there and find the contact and there's both phone number and, uh, email. Awesome trail. Well, anything else we need to touch on before we get you out of here? I think I'm good, man. Apply in Colorado. You gotta, gotta play the game. You gotta apply in all the States and Colorado is a big one of them. So, Definitely. you know, apply, get a tag and go hunting. Definitely. Cool, man. Well, Trail, thanks again for coming on on some short notice. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah, have a good one, bud. You too. Bye. Yeah, bye. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. hope you learned some stuff. Um, and just like Trail said, get out there and apply in Colorado. It's a great state, a lot of opportunity, both for you know, your low-point holders and some, some really good over-the-counter opportunity as well. So get out there, do some research, get your applications in before the deadline in Colorado. 
But before I let you guys go, again, check out the podcast on social media. It's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. Again, make sure you guys give the podcast a like, a follow, a share. All those things all help out. But that covers it for this week, and I will see you guys on the next one.